Well, here we are back again on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. If this is the first time that you have hit play, um, you are going to be listening to episode six with my man, Ben Koenig. Um, hopefully, hopefully you've been listening since the very beginning, uh, because one thing I absolutely subscribe to is that every podcast, I want it to be 1% better. So hopefully by this time, this uh, this at the end of this podcast, we will be 6% better than when I started. Um, but you know, like always, um, please shoot me some feedback. Let me know what you would like to hear, maybe something you would not like to hear. Um, so yeah, thank you for being here. Um, today, we have, like I said, my friend Ben Koenig. Um, ben hails from right across the river from me, the big town of Evansville, Indiana. Ben is a music teacher, uh, but not just any music teacher. I would say he is a music teacher that brings some panaz to his classes every single day. Uh, so without further ado, Ben Koenig, welcome. It is a pleasure to be here. And what a swell day it is to be on a podcast with you, sir. It is a swell day. I, you know, um, as we tape this, it is um, the end of January. And as I look outside, it's it's a little dreary out there, but that doesn't mean um, that's the climate of this podcast. Because I can believe you, because I can, I can absolutely tell my listeners that the two guys you got here today are full of energy um, most of the time. Um, we are normally, I know Ben is, and I know I am, usually the um, most pumped up one in the room. Um, and sometimes gets that gets annoying, but we don't really care because that's just how we roll. So Ben, uh, my first question, man, to get us going, I always like to know just a little bit about what led you into education. Because um, as I've said before, my, my way was definitely not the traditional way. So I always, you know, just like to hear it. So Ben, what led you into education? I think it's always something that I had in the back of my mind. But as I grew up through my life, uh, one of the first kind of educational impactful things I had was I can remember just the second grade teacher of mine, Mrs. Krieger, just was a rock star, not only educated me, but reached me on a deep social emotional level where I felt connected with her just beyond the content. It felt like a real you know, student teacher relationship ought to feel. And I just said, wow, you know, if she's this impactful with me, you know, what is this feeling going to be like if I grow up and I can be impactful to people like she was? And I mean, I still remember her. I think her picture's still up on the fridge in South Bend where I grew up. Absolutely, I mean, she was a great man. teacher. And it kind of snowballed from there. I ended up joining the Boy Scouts of America. I was in there for probably over a dozen years, got the rank of Eagle Scout and just uh, having to instruct kids with merit badges and in a life-saving requirement, CPR, and just outdoor survival skills, working with the younger kids. I, you know, I got a good vibe from that. Like, I, I like working with these kids. They got a great imagination. They are not as um, <laughs> conformed to societal change and rules like the adults. So they still just say their mind and speak what, what the spirit moves them to do. And I think we're missing kind of that, that just playful honesty these days. And then just growing up through high school and college, I was actually a performer. I was in musical theater, specifically at IU. I was in the opera department. And about sophomore year, that's kind of when I had my epiphany. I was strictly on a performance track. I was like, I'm going to be an opera singer. Or I'm going to be on Broadway or I might just fly out to Hollywood and see what happens there because I did some acting as well. And then I thought, well, 
I, I don't know. I just, I want to work with kids. And I miss the interaction with kids. And I kind of dabbled on the side during my performing days with some music education classes. And everybody was always like, you're so great. Like you could definitely be an elementary teacher because you've got that crazy <laughs> personality that they need in elementary school. Sure. And I just, I was too on the fence. I said, I gotta, I gotta take a chance. So I picked up an extra year at IU, stayed for five years and got a double degree in performance and music ed and immediately jumped into teaching. And it has not been regretful whatsoever, especially given the current state of performing opportunities during a pandemic. I'm <laughs> thankful that I have a job and insurance. And quite frankly, I'm just thankful I get to work with kids because they are amazing. And the amount of stuff that I've learned as a professional performer and music teacher from the kids has been just as impactful, I'm sure, as what they've learned from me. Man, that's, you know, I, one of the reasons I love hearing that story, because um, literally everyone that I have talked to um, when I ask this question, every single one of them points back to that teacher that they kind of want to emulate. But then they also talk about Godwinks um, along the way that, that kind of nudged them into that and kind of let them know, you know, this is what's what's in your future. Um, it's really funny that last night my wife and I went out on a date, um, which we rarely get to do. So it was really cool. But um, we were talking and she said, Stella, who's our nine-year-old, um, we were talking about her. And the other day she piped up in the back seat, you know, mom, I've been thinking teachers, teachers have the coolest job because they get to like literally start everybody's profession. And um, that's really cool that my nine-year-old is already starting to think that. Um, and there was a time probably prior to COVID where I would have told my daughters, no, I don't want you to go into education. But um, I don't know about, about you, Ben, but I think, you know, all of the negativity of this COVID stuff, it, one positive thing that it's brought to light for me is really just um, how impactful I think we really are. What do you think about that? I, I would say so. And it's just when schools reopened and I got to see kids this past August, I mean, we did a full reopen in the August with COVID procedures in place, but I mean, just seeing the kids and just hearing how much they missed us and just how resilient they've been through the whole thing. I think the adults are the ones in the fetal position, rocking in the quarters, yes. sucking on the thumbs 90% of the time. That. And our kids, even the toughest kids that I know just have a train wreck going on at home are the ones who come in and say, you know, Mr. K, it's going to be all right. Yeah, We're going to yeah. get through this pandemic. aren't going to last forever. And we'll be taking these masks off and you'll be seeing my real smile, you know, real soon. And it's just so refreshing to work with such amazing young people and who are just really just making the best out of the tough situation. Yeah. And it, it's the kids that are the, the leaders right now that I'm seeing. Absolutely. And I love it. Absolutely, man. So um, I tell you what, you know, like we start every single show, um, I like to model that connections before content piece. So I like to do something called the two for two, um, which essentially is I'm going to ask you two questions. Then you're going to turn around. You're going to you're going to ask me two questions, um, totally unrelated to education, just to get to know each other on a deeper level. Uh, because truly, you know, I believe, and I know you believe that life is all about those connections. So my first question. Now, though it's not education related, I did kind of gear it towards you. So if there is if there was one song that would automatically play every single time you walked into a room. What song would that be 
and why. I think on a previous podcast I was on earlier this year, I had a different answer, but I've done some reflecting and some more listening to my radio and actually paying attention to what I'm listening <laughs> to because I'm a little ADD sometimes. And I'd say probably panic at the disco high hopes because I just mm. like walking into school, my spiked up hair, my bow tie, my swagger. And I want those kids to know that I've got hope that every day we're going to make something great and we're going to be 1% better than yesterday. And we're going to 1% rock out more in music and we're going to change 1% more lives than we did the day before. So I think high, high hopes by Panic at the Disco. And I love that. I love that. You know, I, I absolutely subscribe to the idea that we create the climate of our classroom and it. And it completely sounds like you just roll, like, like if you had a boom box, I could see you like totally walking into the school with a boom box, like, oh yeah, here we go. And you know, that's just, just you. All right. So second question I've got for you, Benjamin. Um, let's see, um, I wanna make it a good one. Um, oh yeah. So there was a time when I was maybe a little ashamed to say this, but there was a time where I was completely infatuated with zombie movies. Um, everywhere I would go, I would tell my wife, yeah, that, that's where we need to go. Or no, 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 man, that's where we need to go get hold up in case of a zombie apocalypse. So if there was a zombie apocalypse right now, looking around you, what are the five things you would grab right off the bat? Um, well, I can name four of them because they're organic things. So my wife, my daughter, and my two dogs. So I guess that narrows okay. it down to okay. one of those okay. So I make sure I have my people with me. Uh and then the fifth thing would probably be some form of defensive protection. I mean, at that point, I'm out of options as far as anything else. So I would grab my wife, my daughter, my dogs, make sure we're holed up somewhere safe, and then have some sort of protection. And then just honestly, we're just going to have to go from there because at that point, it's survive or die, as with most zombie apocalypse movies. So, so it looks like you're, you're going to roll with the punches. It looks like in the kid, like you're in the kitchen. I hope you'd grab a little bit more than a butter knife. <laughs> Yeah, I've got the meat cleaver back there. Yeah, we're so. good to go. We're good to go. All right, my friend, ask me my, my two. All right. Well, the first one sort of has to do with education, but it doesn't have to. I'm going to frame it in such a way where it can be about education or it can be about whatever you choose. Perfect. We have a new federal administration that's taking over as of this past inauguration day. So what is one either educational policy from a federal standpoint or just one government policy going forward with the new presidency that you would love to see just overturned or maybe promoted more or what what is this one thing that you're like this i want to see this happen in the next four years okay so to me the number one thing um that would significantly affect education for the better would be your universal pre-k um bar none hands down um as a former kindergarten teacher um and former primary teacher um, and I don't know what it's like over there in Indiana, but here in Kentucky, um, based on the Brigants, which is a kindergarten readiness test, 50% um, of our kids are coming to kindergarten unprepared for kindergarten, um, which would be fine if the standards weren't written the way they were. As such, the standards are written for the top 50% and not the bottom 50%. So we have literally half of our kids coming to us with social, emotional, and academic deficits that could have been laid 
um, in the pre-K, but um, as you and I both know, preschool is very expensive. And the only people that get to really afford that um, are the people with the income. And sad to say, that is not the, the norm, at least where I'm at. Um, so this is my real quick soap, soapbox. I'll leave it, I'll, I'll, I'll try to give it in 20 seconds or less. Um, kindergarten used to be the great um, unifier, the great equalizer. Um, kindergarten used to be about leveling the playing field for all kids, regardless of where they were coming from. Um, but I truly and honestly and 100,000% believe that kindergarten now is the great divider. Um, that is when gaps begin, and um, sadly, they very rarely close. Um, so, yeah, universal pre-K, absolutely. That is wonderful to hear. <laughs> I can get on board with that for yeah, sure. Absolutely. And then my second question, as a music teacher, I like to, to kind of feel people out for their, their musical preferences and personalities. So if you could just pick up any instrument, maybe an instrument you know, sort of, or an instrument you never played before, and you're immediately a virtuoso on it. Like as soon as you pick it up, you're like, you know, the Mozart of that instrument. What instrument would that be? And why would you want to choose that one? Ooh, see, that is, that's a, that's kind of a trick question for me because, um, honestly, I love musical instruments. I collect musical instruments. Um, I have a, a uh, an Ashiko drum. I have a djembe drum. I have a bodrum, one of those Irish bodrum drums. Um, I play the piano. Um, I have one, two banjos, one a recent banjo, another one that is, um, that was made in 1878 um, that I'm getting restored. But man, I'm gonna tell you, if I could, just for its portability, I would say the harmonica. So, you know, because when I go hiking, I like to have um, some instrument with me, but I can't really pack a banjo on the trail with me. But if I had a harmonica, man, play some blues, man, that'd be, that would be awesome. It is a wonderful instrument. I actually use that in my classroom for kind of my signals with students. So if, oh. if I play a, a do, re, mi on the harmonica that, you know, that that's our level zero sign. So instead of me going, be quiet, children, yep. and I just go do, do, do on the harmonica and the kids are like, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I should be quiet. Okay. I always told my students, I always told my students my uh, least favorite sound in the English language was shh. So anytime my, my students um, needed to get quiet, I had probably four or five or six different attention signals. Um, I subscribed to the whole, whole brain method of teaching. Um, so there were all kinds of different ones. We would make, make them up week to week. But yeah, I, lo I love the harmonica idea. That's great. So uh, what do you think? You ready to get into the uh, big idea? Oh, you better believe it. Okay, so to my listeners, when Ben approached me about this idea, um, it couldn't have came at a better time for me. Um, as a high school administrator, um, a big, big part of our job is evaluations. Um, and I can honestly say it is my least favorite part of my job. Um, so when Ben came to me with his idea, it seriously intrigued me um and it really the way he explained it kind of 
brought together a lot of things that I'm really passionate about. And so Ben, the, um, we always like to start with, you know, what's the problem of education that, you know, your idea hopes to solve, I guess. The problem to me is just the workability of teacher valuations from both sides, from the teacher's perspective and the admin perspective and how to make it all encompassing where a teacher feels totally invested in the outcome of the evaluation as opposed to thinking it's a sit and get. I, I'm gonna sit down after the observation, I'm gonna to get told everything I've done wrong and God help me if I don't improve because I'm gonna to have to go through it all again next year. Or I'm gonna be on a plan of improvement and I'm gonna go through this like bi-weekly or whatever schedule they set up with me. And from the admin side, an ability to build that rapport and respect with your staff and your, your teachers and whoever you're evaluating and to feel like there's ownership on both sides of the playing field where it's not just the administrator tallying data, putting in scores and saying, do this, 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 and this, and then not really having the time or the opportunities to, to see the fruits of the labor or to follow up with that teacher to really make sure that growth has been achieved. Because I know sometimes we get so hung up on the student data, we forget that there's teacher data that we need to look over and we need to support our teachers, especially during a pandemic and make sure that they want to stick around and keep being awesome rock stars for our kids. That is absolutely something that, um, you know, that I have really struggled with. Um, you know, last year when COVID hit, it was March. So March over here in Kentucky is kind of when we are, you know, starting to wrap up the evaluation process. And um, thankfully at that time, the state gave us license for local districts to develop their own evaluation project, uh, evaluation um, systems. And so our district really chose to kind of relax um, that evaluation systems because obviously uh, it was a stressful time. Um, however, that has not happened this year and we are still doing the same old evaluation pro process, um, which, you know, if you're tenured consists of a many, many full um, if you are a tenured and it's your cycle, you have to do a mini. And then um, there's also, if you are tenured, um, after I think it's every third year, you have to have a full. And I just did, really struggled with, with still trying to do this um, because you're, you're right. I mean, things are tough, 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 tough right now. Um, so why don't you tell our listeners your idea because I really think, I mean, honestly, I think this could catch on. So go ahead, my man. So my big ed idea is that instead of just doing a kind of quick 20 or 30 minute snapshot or a, a full, just one lesson observation, that the observation process really is a cooperative approach between teacher and administrator in the form of almost like a job shadowing type experience where the administrator takes a full day with a staff member and they literally walk through their day together. So this, the staff and administrator can both show each other, you know, how it, how it goes on duty, how, how it is during the morning classes, the afternoon, recess, lunchtime, and then after school, after being with the teacher the entire day, collaboratively sitting down, looking over the rubric or whatever data points need to be looked over and then scoring kind of each other. You know, the principal, instead of saying, these are your numbers says, you know, where, where are we sitting? based on what we both saw today in this category and this category. And then just coming up with action steps together after a full day in the classroom with the teacher. And that might seem a little demanding, 
but when movie reviewers critique movies, you know, did Roger Ebert po post reviews about 20 minutes of the film or did he watch the entire film and then review it in its entirety so you can understand what the film's about? I mean, when I was in productions, we had reviews about our operas and musical theater shows. If the reviewer came in and said, well, the tenor in act one was great, but after 30 minutes, I had to go on to my next observation or my next show. So I didn't watch the rest of it. I really don't know how the rest of the cast is. So I guess you can spend $50 on the ticket or try your luck at a different show. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I mean what would happen with NFL players if the coach said, you know, we really, we really screwed the pooch with our defense last game. So we need to go back and we need to review some film, but we're only going to watch about 20 minutes of the film from the previous game. And I know the second half of the game was worse than the first half, but we're just going to watch about 20 minutes of the game and kind of get a feel for it, whatever. I mean, it just, I don't know. I know there's data to support snapshot observations. I know there's data to support those quick get in, get out and provide feedback, but I just don't feel there's enough value there for me. And as it, maybe it's more because of my performance background, but I would rather see a holistic observation approach where both administrator and staff can walk through the whole day together because I don't get stage fright in front of an administrator because I'm used to performing, but I know several introverted teachers who when a principal walks in the door, their social emotional state right. is right. off their rocker right. and they're not performing their best during observations and they know it. And all they do is they just live in fear and dread of what those results are going to say about their entire career based on a 20 minute day. And I feel like sometimes whether it's by acts of God, I, I don't know if it's, I call it the teacher's curse. It seems observations always happen the day you don't want them to. <laughs> like it's right before a break. Yep. It's on a day where you're like, oh my God, where, where did I go socially and emotionally wrong today with my kids? Because Little Johnny the didn't take his medicine. Exactly. And then you look up and you're like, oh, oh, it's, it's now. Wah, it's, wah. it's now. And there's just so much pressure. Because I mean, that one observation, if you only get one or those two, Sometimes they determine your raise for the next year. Sometimes they determine your kind of political capital in your building sure. or in your district. Yeah. There's just a lot riding on those. And I just, I don't know, the snapshot approach we have now, it has to change. And, you know, my idea is, like I said, a whole day kind of shadowing of the entire teacher day. So you can see maybe they get nervous in the morning because they're terrified to have somebody in their room. But hopefully by the afternoon, they've loosened up and you can really see that teacher, how they actually are in the classroom, not when you're breathing down their neck. Oh, absolutely. So, so a couple things, my reflections on that, you know, it's funny because there's this backlash on, you know, accountability, not accountability, but on testing. So no one, for the most part, no teacher or no administrator believes that their school should just be judged on the one day of state testing right? I mean, that's pretty common. Most people, you know, are wanting to push that out of the way, but isn't what you are saying. So, you know, kind of the norm of the evaluation process right now, that's exactly the same thing, just at the micro level. I mean, it really is because, yeah, we're saying we don't want our schools judged solely by this one assessment, but then we're saying to teachers, we're going to judge you solely on this 30 minutes. One assessment. <laughs> on this one assessment for right. 30 minutes that I'm going to do. And obviously some people might push back at this big idea and say, that's a great idea. Well, only one day of shadowing, shouldn't it be like a fall day and a spring day to see if there's growth? And I think that would be possible. Sure. But I know the pushback is going to be, well, you know, administrators have meetings, conferences they need to go to, data to pour over and other things. So 
you know, devoting one day to every staff member, especially in a large building, could be a difficulty. But every new music, every ed, new educational endeavor is going to be difficult. It's finding a system that's going to work, and I don't think the current one does, or leaves us feeling the value that we need it to have for our teachers and for administrators. Yeah, I want to push back on on that. So yeah, if somebody says, you know, we just don't have the time, I would push back and say, look, you make time for what is worth it. You know, our job as administrators, my job as an administrator is to do what's best for kids, not what's best for adults. So if that means I don't get this pile of paperwork done for central office, then I'm okay with that. If that means that I might have to have, you know, our secretaries do some of that stuff that they don't normally do so that I can be in classrooms. I mean, ultimately, that's what we are there for. Um, so the reason I love, 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 love your idea is that it puts the relationship. I mean, honestly, it puts that relationship there because one thing I find lacking in the evaluation process is we don't take the time to build that relationship so then when I give a teacher feedback, if I don't have that relationship, are they really going to take it or do they really want it or are they really going to ask me to look for the things that they think they are weak in? What I think your idea kind of does, it kind of forces those two people to build a relationship because you're in the trenches with them for an entire day. I mean, what, what do you think? I think that's exactly right. And uh, a couple of books that I read a while ago when I was an academic coach, besides being a music teacher, I had a year where I did a half day music gig. And then I was an academic coach helping kind of our first year teachers in the building I was at with lesson planning, kind of walk through observations and stuff. And then part of the reading I did for that when the art of coaching teachers and the art of coaching teams is they said, you have to have a relationship with the person before you give them any feedback. Yep. Like if you don't know the name of their child, are you really going to tell them how to do their job? You know, if you don't know a single thing about them, except what you just saw in about 20 minutes, I mean, how can they take you seriously? Yep. And I mean, that's why I struggle with giving kind of harsh critical feedback when you don't have that relationship built yet, because I mean, yes, feedback is important and I thrive on accountability and all wise teachers and administrators thrive on feedback and accountability, but it's hard to thrive when you, you don't feel invested enough in the process. And I think a whole day together, side by side, Batman and Robin in it, it out, you know, like superhero sidekicks would build that relationship and just make it feel like such a worthwhile experience. Like I would be jacked up for an observation because I'd be able to show what I can do all the whole day. And I'd rather as a music teacher, since I teach the whole school, know specifically what grade level I need to work on as opposed to, well, we're coming in in the fall we can't come to any of your K one, two, three, four classes. So we'll just do a five, six. And I, and you know, that's the only thing we're going to be able to do in the spring. And I think there was a, a time in my career where it was like three or four or five years before anybody came into a kindergarten, first, second, or third grade classroom. Yeah. yeah. I had to request it. Eventually I was yeah. just like, I, I need an observation in my lower grades. Cause I feel like I'm slipping there. And I mean, you keep coming in and from fourth, fifth and sixth, I think I've got my wheelhouse on that, but I'm really struggling with primary or I just want to make sure I'm on the right track. So I, I'm reaching the success level we need with these kids. So just real quick, I want to a side conversation or, or in, a, in a side uh, comment. I can tell just by your comments that you were one of those guys that are constantly pushing 
um, to improve their game. So for that, I just appreciate it. And I tell you, thank you. Um, there is this gentleman, his name is Peter DeWitt, and he wrote a book um, called Trust-Based Observations, which is very similar to what you are talking about. So uh, to my listeners and to you, um, Ben, if you ever get the chance, check out Peter DeWitt and his Trust-Based Observations models. It's very similar. Um, it also increases the amount of time between the evaluator and the evaluatee, uh, kind of based on that relationship. Uh, so they're very similar, but, you know, there's a couple differences, but both boil down to just that relationship piece. Um, I'll tell you, as I, as I'm thinking, and as, as we're talking about this, I kept thinking, coming back to this, this concept that as administrators, sometimes, I don't think it's intentionally, actually, I know it's not intentional, but the longer you're out of the classroom, the more disconnected you get with what it was like to be in the classroom. And so what I love about your model, Ben, it kind of forces us back into that. You know, it kind of throws me back into the pool and to remind, to, to remind us administrators really how tough it is to be a teacher on your feet for six hours. Um, I mean, I always use the analogy in my classrooms that I felt like a fisherman and your kids are the fish and you're trying to keep them reeled in, but the minute you let off the gas, man, they zoom off into left field and then you got to reel them back in. And six hours of that, holy cow, I can remember going home just completely exhausted. So I think it would do the administrators some good to get back into the classroom, um, kind of down in the trenches with you, um, and I really, I really, I love your idea. I love it. So and I just go ahead, go ahead. I just hope really the, the idea inspires some sort of change in the process. You know, is my idea the perfect system? It might be for some administrators in school settings. It might not be, but we just have to have this conversation. And I think it needs to, to be something that I hope changes in the foreseeable future. I mean, that's part of my goals as an educator is to eventually move into an administrative position. I have my license, I have my master's, I'm ready to go. But there are a few things that I get more and more nervous about as more rounds of interviews come around each year. And I, I keep moving into interview situations and I keep thinking one of them is observations for me. Yeah. Like yeah. with the current state of affairs, I don't know how I would feel conducting them as they have been conducted. Like specifically a system that we use is we give teachers a score one through five. And when they came out with the new model a few years ago, they told us a three is a rock solid teacher. So if you get straight threes, you should feel amazing about yourself. But I mean, if we're thinking like an ABCDF report card in our heads, cause that's what 99% of us think yeah, like, if exactly I get straight right. C's, right. I feel like other garbage. Right. And I'm sorry, no matter how you spin it, it's still just going to make me feel like an epic failure. And like, I have not improved anything on my teaching yeah. craft. Yeah. And I know some people that said, you know, I have told me I, I'm always rated effective. I'm always rated kind of in the middle. And I've been told you're a rock star. That's where you need to be. Uh, but in our minds, we're going, eh, but I, you know, that's not <laughs> seeing it on paper and hearing it. And then it's just, it doesn't translate. It's just yeah. not a system that translates well. Yeah, most I think it us, does, but it doesn't. 
Yeah, I would say most of us in the education field, we got into education because we really want to make a difference. And so I would say the vast majority of us go into work every day doing the absolute best we can. Um, so we use the Danielson framework and one of the rating categories is developing. So developing is not a bad score. It just means that you are working on it, you know, that you have some work to do. And I would argue for me personally, I'm developing everything. You know, I don't, I don't want to be the top level, but when you put that down on paper for a teacher, you know, like, like a teacher, I went into and, you know, there just wasn't a lot of conversation in the classroom. And so I have to rate them as developing because the conversations weren't just there. They take it really personally because, you know, they want to be their very best. But we, like you said, we see that middle of the road score almost as a knock. But what I, but I love about what you're talking about is if I spend a day with you in the trenches, I'm going to build your trust in me, but then vice versa, you're going to, you know, I'm going to trust you, you're going to trust me. And at the end of the road, after I've done that multiple times during the year, I really think you're going to come to me asking for feedback when I'm not even in the classroom, you know? So I love that idea. And let's see, on my caseload this year, I have 10 teachers, 10 teachers. So when I really think about this, would I rather devote, so say we do this twice a year, would I rather devote 20 hours of being in the classroom to develop a relationship with the teacher, which then develops trust, which then gets more effective feedback, which hopefully translates into some changes for the better, which hopefully increases teaching which increases learning, which increases engagement, which increases test score. Yeah, I think I would like to do that. As opposed to just sitting at my desk, um, spending 20 hours to create a, you know, uh, a newsletter or pour over assessment data um, or, God help me, answering emails. Um, <laughs> no, I like that. And, I, and I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to commit right here for the first time publicly, I'm going to commit to trying to do that more. Um, when I go back to school tomorrow, I'm going to pick two of my folks. I'm just going to ask for two volunteers that don't mind me spending an entire day with them. Um, now, we're already into January, so I might only be able to do that once, but I'm going to try that, and I'm going to get back with you, Ben, and I'm going to get back with you listeners, and we're just going to call it the grand experiment. Um, so having said that, I... I think it's about time we're going to start wrapping up. Um, but as you guys, as our listeners know, the, the, the stated purpose of this podcast um, is to connect the visions of one with the passions of another. Um, I will shout it from the mountaintops. Ben's vision, I think, could substantially change um, instruction and learning and engagement and all those other pedagogical factors that we talk about all the time. Um, and I really don't think it'd be super hard to do. Um, I think that's the, the wonderful thing about this idea. So if you're out there listening and you want to get in touch with Ben, uh, maybe help Ben write um, a book on this, help him develop this idea, help him put it out on paper, maybe put it into a, um, 
an article or something. Ben, do you mind to tell us, um, let all of us know kind of how they can get a hold of you? One of the best ways that I've had communication with other administrators and teachers so far, especially through this past summers, mainly on Facebook. That's kind of my go-to social media platform. So if you just search my name first and last, you can look me up on my profile and add me. And then if you have any questions or if you want to collaborate on something, I have people message me all the time. I had a teacher message me from another group or actually a retired principal because he saw me doing one of my 1% better workouts in a group I was in. And he said, dude, keep it up because I've gained like 25 Rona pounds and you're an inspiration. <laughs> I got I to gotta go back to the gym, man. So I, I think that's my best platform right now. And then if you need any other information for me from there, I can shoot you my cell phone or my email from there. But I kind of use Facebook as my launch pad and go from there. Absolutely. And and to give a little uh, advertisement for the group that Ben and I met in, if there are any guys out there um, listening, there is a group that Hal Bowman put together um, right on the cusp of this COVID thing um, called Men in Ed, uh, Men in Education. It's a Facebook group. I think we're up to about 800 members now. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you, Ben, but that group really saved, literally, I think, saved my life. Um, it grew me professionally. Um, it inspired me to get into this podcasting game. Um, it has introduced me to, I mean, just some awesome guys that share the same passion for education and kids and, and everything. And I don't know if, if through men and without men in education, I don't know if I would have met you, Ben. I mean, you're only literally like 15 miles from me. Um, but it's been awesome to get to know you. Um, I tell you, you are a young guy looking at you. You look about 21. Um, I'm not sure. What are you like? 25, 26. Uh, I just hit the big three. you did. Year, You're so in the dirty thirties. I'm in the dirty thirties. I'm heading towards that 31. Okay. Know. And my wife found one of my salt and pepper hairs the other day. Like, Oh, look, honey, you're starting to get them. So, <laughs> well, I just want you to know, Ben here publicly. Um, I appreciate you, um, coming from elementary land. Um, and coming from a school that was very similar with the school that you are in, um, I know the impact that you were having on those kids. Um, I know it because I lived it and I miss it. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you are changing kids' lives. These kids that are going to remember you for years and years and years and years um, as that crazy music teacher that talked like Batman. Um, who wore, <laughs> yeah, who wore crazy costumes, who put the fun back in education. Um, so thank you, Ben. I mean that. Oh, you're welcome. And as a matter of fact, crazy music teachers waiting on six steel drums to show up at his house. So, cause we're ordering some new instruments to get through this COVID with fun and a little bit of Calypso flair. There so, you go. I'm hoping those will get here any minute. So. Well, you should have your cafeteria make some jerk chicken and then, you know, you can really have a Jamaican day or something. I don't know. Oh, my wife and I are going to have one of those. We're heading down there for a very delayed fifth anniversary trip over the summer, COVID willing and pandemic willing. Knock on all the wood. That's right. Well, listeners, I hope um, you have enjoyed this episode as much as I have enjoyed talking to my man. Um, I tell you, Ben, I, I truly mean this. I hope that our paths cross professionally um, sometime in the very near future. Um, I definitely think that you have got that stuff of a wonderful administrator. Um, 
you know, I, I, we hate to lose people in the classroom like you, but um, the world only changes with big ideas. And I love your evaluation idea. Um, and I hope it gets off to a start. And if any of my listeners, like I said, if this is something that really resonates with you, reach out to Ben. Let's see what can happen. Until next time, my friends, I will see you later. Thank you.